Hi, welcome to Lambert Park Church. Our vision is life with God for the world. Our mission is to invite everyone to follow Jesus with us through redemptive community, intentional discipleship, and everyday mission. We're so glad you're here. Stay tuned for the podcast coming right up. Wow, it is. Today is the day. Um, Good morning. As Aaron mentioned, my name is Shayla, and it is truly a humbling privilege uh, to be standing before you this morning to continue our Fruitable series. Um, If you are just joining us today, I want to invite you to take some time, maybe go back to the website and uh, listen to the messages that have come before me, um, because the really interesting thing about God's work is that he has woven together this beautiful series uh, that continues to build on one another independently from each other. Um, We did meet as a group, we did talk, but we didn't speak in detail about the ways that we could connect our messages, but the Lord has been so faithful to to weave together this beautiful series. Um, Unlike many others who have shared in this series, uh, I haven't actually been at Lambrick for very long. Um, I found Lambrick through the women's gatherings in August when I first moved here from Saskatchewan. Um, The flat, kind of rectangle, rillular-shaped province in our country. Yeah, I moved here from Saskatchewan to begin uh, my master's in educational psychology um, at UVic. And so I was new to Victoria. I had heard about Lambert Park Church through a friend, um, and I was really desperate to find a community. I told myself that I wasn't going to float around, I was going to find a church, and I was going to get invested. Um, And so scrolling on the website one day, I noticed that there was a women's gathering actually the day after I had arrived. So in a very uncharacteristic moment of bravery, I signed up and I started emailing with Carly. Um, I arrived to Mount Doug that morning feeling out of place and unknown, and I was met with a really, really warm embrace. In our small group that morning, I found myself surrounded by three other women my age who are in very similar seasons, feeling out of place, yet ready to see just how the Lord would um, begin to plant them in this new space. Chelsea, as Aaron mentioned, likes to remind me that I cried the entire time that it was my turn to share. And I think the retelling of the morning's events to Aaron were something like, I met a girl from Saskatchewan, she seemed pretty awesome, but she cried the entire time. Uh, Unknown to both of us, that women's gathering really was the beginning of God's faithfulness to me um, in this new space and in this new chapter. I say all of this as preamble, not only for you to get to know me a little bit, um, also not to uh, admit that I can be somewhat of a crier, but to invite those perhaps in this room or those online uh, who are searching for a place to be at home with fellow believers, to take off your shoes, hang up your coat, and make yourself at home because you are really, really welcome here. Um, Yeah, so when Scott asked me if I would participate in the teaching team this summer, I felt wildly unequipped. And I wondered what I, a visitor from the prairies, might have to say to the church. In fact, Often, throughout this process of listening and praying, 
um, and writing. I questioned what I had to say. Um, and I think we've arrived at something tangible. Uh, God is good. So in the following moments, I want to invite you to hear what I think um, the Lord has been saying to me for our community. Um, and as we consider and remember God as our faithful father, and we think about what it means to be faithful in our context, um, let us consider our role in faithfulness, faithfulness not only to God, but for one another. How would you pray with me? Good and gracious Father, thank you for the ways that you have cared for us. We confess that we don't always live faithfully. We don't always see you as faithful, and we don't always desire to be faithful. Would you help us this morning by the power of your spirit to tune our hearts to see the ways that you have provided our deepest needs and show us how we can be faithful to you for others. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So for those of us in the church, um, the word faithfulness or faithful is something that we are very familiar with. In fact, I did a little Google search um, about a week ago, and I typed in, how many worship songs mention the word faithfulness? Um, and I found a webpage that listed 4,200 songs. <laughs> yeah, we sing about faithfulness all the time, don't we? We just did this morning even. Um, and another thing that I have found that Christians often say is, I just want to do blank, fill in whatever you want to do, faithfully. Or something else we say is, I just want to be faithful. We applaud people for their faithfulness to serve others, and maybe, if we're honest, we sometimes judge others for the lack of faithfulness, for the lack of their faithfulness as we perceive it. Faithfulness is not a new concept to the Christian. In fact, I am sure that the well done, good and faithful servant exhortation at the end of life, at the pearly gates with God, is something uh, that is a goal for many of us. Perhaps you might define faithfulness as integrity or firm constancy or loyalty. Uh, in Greek, the word for faithfulness is pistis, which is a feminine noun um, that by definition says that faithfulness is the persuasion, credence, or moral conviction of religious truth or truthfulness of God that hinges upon the gospel profession of Christ for salvation. It is assurance, belief, faith, and fidelity. Further, faithfulness is always a gift from God, and it is never generated by us. In a book called Cultivating the Fruits of the Spirit by Christopher Wright, Wright suggests that faithfulness is twofold. It means being trustworthy and dependable, while also exercising trustworthy behavior over a long period of time. Faithful people are committed to the long haul. They are dependable and they are consistent. Who they were yesterday will be the same as who they are today and who they will be tomorrow. Eugene Peterson mentions that faith is a long obedience in the same direction. And you know, I find it interesting within all of these definitions and examples 
um, that faithfulness is demonstrated and required over time. It's not an immediate, uh, instant gratif gratification. Oh, I'm going off my script, so that's why this isn't working. Uh, it's not an immediate thing that we just do. Um, yeah, it's required over time, and it takes time, and it's a process. Um, and the other thing that I found interesting about the word is that it's a noun. So, I don't know, maybe it's been a while since you've been in English, but um, I'm an, funnily enough, I am an English teacher, so, um, yeah. A noun, <laughs> a noun refers to a person, place, or thing, um, just so that we all can remember what a noun is. And when I look in scripture, um, God is the noun that keeps his promise. He is the person that is faithful. These things bring me to ask us a few questions of us. Are we a faithful people? Is faithfulness a noun in your life? And how is your endurance? You know, we don't have to look very far in scripture before we meet the faithfulness of a dependable God that is contrasted with the faithlessness of his creation. And yet, God continues to renew his covenant and keep his promises. It is his very nature to be faithful. He says it himself when he is with Moses at the top of Mount Sinai. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, and forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin. That's in Exodus 34, 6 and 7. At this moment in the story, God is about to re-enter into covenant with his people. His people who have amnesia-like forgetfulness when it comes to remembering what God has done for them. This amnesia leads, us to, leads them to uh, doubting that God will provide for them again, even though he had just led them out of Egypt and slavery, proving that he was faithful. We can kind of be like those forgetful people, can't we? Constructing our own maybe golden calf moments. <laughs> like God's people, we can be doubtful, we can be impatient, quick to construct our own ideals for right and wrong. We can be jealous, we can be sinful, we can be selfish. It sounds a little bit fleshy, doesn't it? A little bit rebellious. And yet, in Lamentations 3, 22 to 23, God reminds us that because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Even in our rebellion, even in our own wanting to go our own way, God cannot help but to be perfectly faithful and right on time. His ultimate act of faithfulness is wrapped up in the life, death, and resurrection of his son on our behalf, as Romans 5, 8 reminds us that God shows his great love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But sometimes our timing doesn't line up with God's, does it? We begin to doubt, we desire to take control, and we long for the challenge to be over, or we give in to fear. We forget all that he has done to prove himself faithful in our everyday circumstances. 
This actually reminds me of a short vignette in Matthew chapter 14. Um, Perhaps you'll remember. Uh, The disciples have just been with Jesus. They have seen him feed the 5,000. They've cleaned up, and Jesus has told them to go on ahead while he says goodbye to the crowd. We are told that it was the fourth watch of the night when he joined them, walking on the water. They were terrified. I mean, who could blame them? But it was Jesus. Thinking that he was a ghost, they cried out in fear, but Jesus says, take heart, it is I. Don't be afraid. But Peter, being the daredevil that we know him to be, if you've been with us here, uh, he says to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So what does Jesus do? He says, come. Peter's terrified of the wind around him, and he begins to sink, calling out for Jesus to help him. Taking hold of Jesus, taking hold of him, Jesus says, oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? You know, when I first bumped into this story in a new way, kind of during my own uh, storm moment, I, I began to read this differently. I used to think in reading this story that Jesus was scolding Peter for not believing. But I actually hear Jesus' compassion. He says, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? It's almost as if he's taking Peter's face Um, taking Peter's face in his hands, kind of like Sue reminded us, and he's saying, oh, why did you doubt me? You know me. It's me. For Peter, the storm scared him right out of his belief. And I'm curious what it is for you and I that makes us question and doubt God's faithfulness. What is it that makes us take our eyes off of God and forget all of the things that he has done for us? Apart from different heroes of the faith, maybe biblical examples or individuals and mentors in our own lives, the call to remain faithful and to embody faithfulness is actually pretty bleak in our culture. Today, we are a culture of so many options. We are a buy now, pay later, you do you, this does not serve me culture. And in a time when giving up is easier than faithfully pressing into the messy, our world champions us towards giving up and walking away. Faithfulness requires our personal sacrifice, and yet we live in a world that preaches, cult, that preaches comfort. I started reading a book earlier this year by John Mark Comer um, and quickly realized that grad school doesn't really allow for a lot of fun reading. Um, However, this book is called Live No Lies and the premise is focused around the reality that we live every day in a battle. And the battle is over our souls. The battle is over our faithfulness. Paul talks about this battle in Galatians as the war between the flesh and the spirit. And he says, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For those are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Galatians 5.17. Left up to ourselves, we don't do faithfulness very well. How many of us have started something only to stop it because it was a little bit more difficult than we anticipated Or maybe you've been in a rush and you thought, well, this is just a little shortcut. It's going to get me to the destination. It doesn't really matter if I complete the task well. We live with this, um, when we live with an awareness of this battle, I think that we begin to do faithfulness better. 
When we are aware, we can be prepared. And when we know what the enemy's agenda is, we can have a stronger defense against him. I think a familiar place for us to go when readying ourselves for this battle of our faith and faithfulness is Ephesians 6, the armor of God. I want to read it for us today, uh, taken out of the message translation, because I think that it draws out something really important. So beginning in verse 10, God is strong and he wants you strong. So take everything that the master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials, and put them to use so that you will be able to stand up to everything that the devil throws your way. This is no weekend war that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps, a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all of his angels. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all of the help you can get, every weapon God has issued, so that when it is all over but the shouting, you will still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential for the ongoing of warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters and keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. In this passage, Paul not only tells us to be prepared for the fight that we can't win on our own, but he actually reminds us that it is a fight that implicates our brothers and sisters as well. In our world, we don't have to look very far to see the effects of sin. Everywhere we look, someone else's sin impacts or injures another. Maybe it's greed or pride, jealousy or sexual immorality that have been a catalyst to brokenness. The reality is, we are a broken people. We are in need of a savior, and without him at the center, our efforts of relationship will be flawed. When we see war and division in our society, we don't also have to look very far to see it within the church. We need Jesus. I wonder, have you ever stopped to consider perhaps how your sin Your personal sin, the sin that maybe nobody knows about, (laughs) um, might injure another, though unintended. And in contrast, I wonder, have we considered how our faithfulness might uphold another? See, in 2 Peter, we are reminded that we have been given everything that we need to live a godly life through the knowledge of him who has called us to his glory. As believers, we have, through Jesus, linked arms together on the same mission. We have been given everything we need, and we have been given each other. And with that gift comes the responsibility to live faithfully for one another. We have the tools, but we need to use them so that they can help us to stand firm. If we read on in Galatians, Paul exhorts the church in chapter 6 to bear one another's burdens, and he encourages them to use every opportunity to do good to everyone, especially those who are in the household of faith. We have a responsibility to faithfully care not only for the non-believer, 
but to remember our brother and sister next to us. If you were here during Siobhan's sermon on joy, perhaps you'll remember her example or illusion of being a stretcher bearer. One that carries the stretcher for another, bringing them to Jesus. Undoubtedly, there will be seasons when you won't be running the race well. And perhaps you will come to the point where one of Satan's lies has taken root for far too long. Maybe it will be stress, maybe it will be um, relational brokenness, or perhaps even a troubling diagnosis. Regardless, there are going to be moments when your faithfulness is going to be low, and you're going to need your brother or sister to come alongside you and bring you to Jesus. I'm sure that there are many of us in this room and online who could think back to a time in our lives where we have been the recipients of the faithfulness of others. I just thought I'd take maybe a couple moments to give testimony to the ways that God has been faithful in my life um, and hopefully encourage you to think about the ways that you've seen him faithful in your life. I had been working at Green Bay Bible Camp in Kelowna um, during one of the summers when I was attending Briarcrest. We were near the end of the last family camp of the summer, um, and while we were sitting out on the dock, there was a commotion, and it just so happened that my iPhone took a little swim into the bottom of the lake. I could see it down there kind of waving at me through the water with the ripples and just taunting me. We tried everything. We did the rice bath. We did the, you know, I'm sure someone prayed for it. But unfortunately, the phone never came back. Um, And as a college student, I was really stressed about the hit that a new phone might take on my budget. And I was set to return to Saskatchewan the following days. As a flatlander driving through the mountains without a cell phone, that just didn't seem safe. So I bit the bullet, and about $345 later, I had a new phone and a lot less money. I never stopped to consider the faithfulness of God in these moments until I received an envelope of cash from a family camper who had heard about the mishap on the dock. And in her time um, spent with the Lord, he told her to go to the bank and take out the money. I never told her how much, she just went to the bank. She put it in an envelope, she waved me down between dinner and our wide game, and she handed it to me. She said, when God asks you to give, we need to be faithful. He wants me to remind you that he cares about you, even the little things. That was a Peter moment for me. Oh little, oh you of little faith, why did you doubt? As trivial as a cell phone might seem, (laughs) um, God again needed to remind me of his faithfulness um, and care through his people, but this time it wasn't a cell phone. It was a full out on the stretcher, I don't even know how God can be good kind of moment. Told you I'm a cry. When I was 25 years old, I was coming to the end of a very busy and stressful time um, as a first-year teacher. Uh, It was a really busy season, and I'm sure for those of us who are teachers in the room, we know what it's like to limp to the finish line. Um, 
Yeah, it was a really busy time, but at the same time, I felt like I was at the prime of my life. Full-time job, in my own house. Life was really good. Until I began to notice some pain in my right eye that I thought was just from strain and stress and not sleeping well. I brushed it off, um, but I, I couldn't because as time went on, my vision was getting blurry. And so I just made an appointment to go to the eye doctor, thinking that maybe my prescription needed to be adjusted. Fast forward a week, the glasses weren't helping, the pain was increasing, and actually my vision was disappearing. It wasn't the glasses. And after being referred to an ophthalmologist, I learned that I had optic neuritis, and that I had the very high odds that this optic neuritis would lead or could be the first piece of a puzzle that would lead to an MS diagnosis. I was devastated. The wind completely knocked out of my sails. I felt just like Peter out in the storm, sinking and calling for help. Where was the faithful God that I knew? At this point, I didn't have a diagnosis, but I had the looming chance of there being one, and my faith in a reliable God was completely shaken. How could he do this to me? Everything in my life was exactly how I wanted at 25. I didn't have time to be blind, and I definitely did not have time to have MS. Devastated and angry, I didn't have the words to pray, but I did have a community of people who committed to pray for me when I couldn't. In the midst of great physical pain, doubt, and anger, I didn't know how God was good. I had nothing. (laughs) My friends called to encourage me. Women in my church prayed for me and shared incredible visions of healing that I still hold on to to this day. I had countless friends and family members in the thick of the battle with me, faithfully bringing my needs to God. There's a lot more to the story of God's faithfulness when it comes to my unfaithful trust of him, but for our sake, for the time, for the sake of our time together, I will just say this. I wouldn't be standing here sharing this if it wasn't for a faithful God who was reminding me of who he was in the midst of an unwanted diagnosis through the faithfulness of those around me. So do you, I say, how is your faithfulness? Are you able to carry someone else's load for a little while if need be? Are you willing to be like the friends we read about in Mark chapter 2 who break through the roof to bring their paralyzed friend to Jesus? Or will your faith be like the centurion from Matthew chapter 8 who believed that Jesus could heal his servant? The centurion whose faith astounded Jesus. You see, we see in the scriptures that God is faithful and we see how God himself was even faithful or how Jesus himself was even faithful to God all the way to the cross, even when he pleaded for the Father to take his cup from him. But in the end, Jesus was faithfully surrendered to God's plan. It is in response to his great faithfulness that we live in faithfulness in response to him. But our faithfulness is also for others. Someone is going to need your faithfulness at some point. Someone else is going to need you to help them finish the race. As a gift of the Spirit, faithfulness not only helps us endure and remain faithful, but it is also to benefit the whole body. So how do we do this? How do we grow in faithfulness as a response to a God 
to who God is and to the benefit of our brothers and sisters. We have heard it said before in this series that the beautiful thing about these gifts of the Spirit is that they are just gifts. The growth and the fruit The growth of the fruit in our lives is not entirely left up to us, but we do have a role to play in cultivating or preparing our hearts for these fruit to grow in our lives. Bearing fruit is an active thing. We are called to walk and keep in step with the Spirit. And thanks be to God, the Spirit helps us. You see, the more time we spend with God, the more our characters, our hearts, and our wills become like His. He changes us. I will be the first to admit that I know I need to spend more time in God's word. And if this, isn't, this isn't meant to be a guilt thing. Um, but I want to spend more time knowing the faithful one so that I am shaped by him and not by some wishy-washy faithfulness that is rooted apart from him. As we keep rooted in God's word and we grow more and more in the knowledge of who he is, the more we begin to emulate his love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, the rest will come, (laughs) to the rest of the world and to our brothers and sisters who need us to be faithful in the fight with them. Another way that we can grow in faithfulness is by following through when we say we're going to conduct ourselves in a specific way. Remember, there is a battle that is being waged for your soul. That battle is different for all of us, but the desired outcome is the same. Satan wants you to take your eyes off of Jesus. Stand firm. Don't let anything move you. If you're going to do something, make the active choice to follow through. If we want to be more honest, then be more honest. Just be honest. (laughs) If you want to be reliable, be reliable. There are many things in life that are vying for the opportunity to shape us, but I want to encourage you to keep faithfulness to God at the forefront of your hearts and minds so that you are not moved by the fleeting things that seek to distract you. Finally, I want to encourage you to ask God to help, though, to help him see uh, those around you the way that he sees them and to be someone that has the courage to reach in to their lives. Because maybe, just maybe, they are getting tired of doing this Christian journey on their own, and they need someone to come alongside them and support their endurance. Perhaps it's inviting someone over for lunch, or maybe it's and asking the vulnerable question of how are you doing? Or maybe you know someone who is going through a rough spot in life, but you've felt kind of nervous, didn't want to overstep your boundaries, and you haven't wanted to get too involved. This is my gentle permission for you um, to get more involved. (laughs) Sometimes faithfulness means that you are just a really good listener or a reliable and non-anxious presence that can be called on in a moment of need. Or maybe today you're sitting here and you're thinking like, I am feeling crushed by the load and I would really love it if somebody would come help me out. I wanna encourage you, if that's you, to be brave. Be willing to be vulnerable and ask others for help. Invite somebody into the challenge that you're facing. 
Some, sometimes a good place to start, if you're brand new and you don't know anybody in this church, <laughs> is to email the office. <laughs> I know that it is a joy for Lucy to connect with people in our church, and she will, she will do just that. As the body, we need to recognize our need for one another and continue to take steps toward living in the, into the relationships that we have or could have. I want to invite uh, the band to come and close uh, with this. I want to remind us that ultimately, faithfulness as a fruit of the Spirit, it is a gift. It is, sorry, faithfulness as, a, as the fruit of the Spirit is a gift to us from our faithful God with the help of the Spirit living in us and as we come to know God more deeply, we will continue to be shaped more in his likeness. As a fruit, faithfulness keeps us going. It is the fuel that keeps our endurance engaged, our, firm, our faith firm, and our brothers and sisters encouraged. When it comes to faithfulness, we can't do it alone. And thank God, we don't have to. <laughs>